Hi there, and welcome to the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast. We are Paris, Alana, and Rusty. Friends who have a heart for intimacy and long to uncover God's truth and design for sexual freedom within marriage. Welcome here. (laughs) All right, welcome back to the Kingdom Sexuality Podcast, you guys. We have a spectacular guest with us today. We want to welcome here to the show Callie Teal, who is a pelvic Floor PT. So welcome here, Callie. We are so honored to have you. Thank you. It is so awesome to get to be here, to get to talk about this. Um, I get to talk about public health every day in my work life, but it's so fun to get to combine it with um, my spiritual walk and just Mm. get to talk about the two things I'm probably the most passionate about. So I'm super, super excited for this. I love this. And I love that right off the hop, you're already like talking about Christ and just meshing what you do as a career with your faith walk with the Lord. So can you tell us maybe a little bit about how you found us? And then we just want to know about you and what really drew you into the career that you're in. So I found you guys, you actually came highly recommended from a friend when my husband and I were engaged. Um, we actually were engaged about the time you released your premarital series. Ah, oh, um, good timing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was like perfect. And so um, we listened to that, or I listened to that. I had him listen to it. We were going through other like premarital counseling, but it was fun mm-hmm. just people our age talking about it, talking about right. all the same things we believed and, yes. you know, that we were trying to model our relationship after. And I just really love that you guys emphasized the gift that sex is in marriage and mm-hmm. the gift of waiting. And and so it was just really neat because we were, you know, dating that way. And then um, so we started listening and that's how I kind of fell in love. And then when we got married, we became a huge fan of your Wednesday hump day post. It became <laughs> kind of like <laughs> a um, – things up for the week mm-hmm. type of thing yes. so um that's kind of how we found you guys and got very interested into interested in um what you do um as far as my career I knew I wanted to be a pelvic floor physical therapist or I knew I wanted to be a physical therapist mm-hmm. for a while um and throughout school my favorite part of PT always was kind of hips, pelvis, mm-hmm. low back, all that fun stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I actually was on a clinical rotation that was supposed to be just like an ortho, so like knee replacements, ACL tears. Mm-hmm. And my CI or my clinical instructor got COVID. And the only other therapist there was a pelvic floor, pelvic health therapist. Mm-hmm. And so I got to hang out with ah. her for two weeks. And it was amazing. I mean, it's one thing to help somebody get back to sports or whatever. That's really cool. But when somebody is like, I pee my pants every day, I'm embarrassed to go out in public, or Mm -hmm. I have had pain with sex for 20 years and I don't enjoy Mm -hmm. sex and just all these life things, life changing Mm -hmm. things that you can do with physical therapy, with pelvic or physical therapy. That's how I really made the decision. And I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I love that. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that, Callie. So um, what we did today is we actually shared with our following, like, hey, 
we may or may not be bringing someone super cool on the show that's going to talk about <laughs> all things pelvic floor physical therapy. What would you ask her if you had the chance? So we put together a list of the most highly requested and very common threads of people's questions. Um, so I think we'll, we'll just go right straight through that. Um, but Callie, I would love to hear before we go through that, what would be like you as a therapist here, when would you recommend women to see you and why? Like what is the most common reasons you're seeing women come in to see you and like what breaks your heart as well? Like being like, wow, you need to see somebody. Like when is a red flag to like come and see you? Yeah. So, oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> um, I it. So the big <gasps> one is stress incontinence. That's probably the biggest mm -hmm. one that I see people just deal with. And it's one of those things, they'll be there actually to see me for something completely different. And I'm like, okay, do you have any incontinence? Do you ever leak urine? And they're like, oh, nothing beyond the normal. And I'm like, uh, it's not there's normal. no such thing as a normal it's amount. Not normal. Of yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, it's common. It's not normal. And so right. that's probably a big one just because everybody accepts that as normal. They're like, yeah, mm. I, I pee a little when I sneeze or whatever. It's like, mm -hmm. no. Um. Another really, really big one I see in women, I only treat women. There are therapists that treat men and women, but mm -hmm. um, right now I just treat women and pain with sex, especially mm -hmm. postpartum is yeah. huge. And it's another one that just kind of is accepted as normal. And unfortunately I've had women come in and this has been like physicians have told them that that's normal just have a glass of wine. You need to relax. Mm. Like, this is not normal. It's this is not. a pelvic floor dysfunction. Yeah. Let's get you help. And so that's what yes. breaks my heart. People that sure. have dealt with it for 20 years because they were just dismissed and these concerns were not addressed. And just the mm. overall lack of education that is in right. women's health care oh, probably is what 100%, breaks my heart. 100%. Like even, yes. so I'm, I'm a birth keeper <laughs> and a doula. So I see these things all the time and women asking the questions that we're going to be asking you today. And it's the same thing. I'm like, when has common become normal? Like it's not supposed to be that yeah. way. Like, you know how God has created your body. It's supposed to function and heal properly, right? Our bodies are supposed to be something that we are a safe place in. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when something is giving off a red flag it's like no we need to listen to that and we need to look for help so i'm so glad you shared that like a hundred percent all right well callie i love that you said that you referred to it as a pelvic floor dysfunction because i think so often um we hear you know you have a weak pelvic floor or you have a damaged pelvic floor but there is such a thing as your muscles in your pelvic floor being too tight as well. And that causes a lot of major issues. So like what you said, a lot of times pain with sex and things like that can be because things are too tight. You haven't been, you know, whenever they haven't been used for a long time, things can really tighten up and be uh, restricted within the pelvic floor. And so can you talk a little bit of just some common signs and symptoms of pelvic floor dysfunction? Maybe not just the weakness, but also if your muscles are too tight within the pelvic floor. So that's a really, really good question. Um, dysfunction is just kind of the umbrella term. It can re refer to weakness or what we call an overactivity, which is where those muscles have, have become too tight. 
There can be issues of coordination where maybe the brain, bladder, pelvic floor, rectum, whatever, is just not communicating properly. The most common one I see is the overactivity, which is what you just mentioned, really? those muscles mm-hmm. being too tight. Yes. And wow. some of the most common symptoms of that are constipation, which is frequently mm-hmm. overlooked. That's another thing people are just like, well, this is normal. Stress right. incontinence mm-hmm. or leaking urine when you sneeze and cough. Um, hip pain, low back pain, abdominal pain, pain with sex, inability to orgasm. And you could have one or all of these symptoms or a range. And so it's really, the muscles of the, of the pelvic floor are pretty small and all close together. And so without an assessment, it's hard to say just exactly, um, what is going on because a lot of times the dysfunctions can look similar. Um, but usually if pain is involved, it's pretty clear. That's a pretty hallmark sign that, um, there's too much tightness in those muscles. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then what, what are we talking about whenever we refer to like prolapses and things like that? What would women need to be on the lookout for if, to see if that's what they've got going on? So prolapse is when either the bladder or the uterus or the rectum is kind of fallen. It doesn't have the support it once did. So it is starting to actually descend or lower. Um, This can happen after birth with improper breathing, straining, chronic straining, things like that. Um, And the best way to look out for that is literally a self-exam. Take a mirror, take a look down there. I tell my patients all Mm -hmm. the time, like, it's your body. It's beautiful. It's created by God, don't be ashamed to take a look at things. And so if you see a bulge or something coming out of that Mm -hmm. vaginal opening and you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, that wasn't always there. That's a (laughs) a pretty clear sign. You have a prolapse that you probably need to get um, looked at. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And that would be probably obvious for someone who is struggling with like intercourse as well. If there's like obviously something there, right? Like, would sex even be an option if that was going on with somebody? Yes, it, it is. And there's ways like you can actually kind of push it back in yourself and there's ways to manage it. Typically, I don't see prolapse until patients are older. Um, hmm. After giving birth, there may be some prolapse. Usually it's just a grade one or so, and it's not anything that should be symptomatic. A lot of times people can feel feelings of pressure or heaviness and they think, oh, I must have a prolapse because I had a baby a year Mm. ago. But typically what's going on is it's that overactivity. We talked about those muscles Mm. are too tight. Mm. Right. Wow. Hmm. Wow. So interesting. That's wonderful. Wonderful information. Yeah. Would you say, Callie, that we kind of covered like when you should know how to see a pelvic floor specialist is just from what we've talked about already, or should we delve into that a little bit more? Um, we can dive into that a little bit more, like when you should go get help. Yeah. Let's, let's so, kind of unravel that. Yeah. Anyone that has had a baby in my personal opinion should go get evaluated by a pelvic floor therapist or a public health therapist. That doesn't mean you're going to need months of treatment, but just see what's going on because I don't care how beautiful and easy of a birth you had. Birth is still pretty traumatic. Um, 
And so, especially if there was tearing or anything like that, it's a good idea just to go get checked out. Um, if you don't have an overactivity, they can teach you some safe and effective ways to strengthen. Um, and anyone who's pregnant, it's a good idea to work with a therapist before, I think, especially it can help getting ready to give birth, things like that. Love that. And then especially anybody that's having symptoms. So if you are having urinary incontinence is a big one. If you're having pain with sex, if you're not able to climax with sex or you're having a really hard time achieving climax with sex, it's a pretty good indication to go see a therapist. Um, any kind of bowel symptoms, so uh, constipation, fecal incontinence, this is really kind of a gross one, but if you're not able to hold in your farts, mm -hmm. that's um, like a sign of right. mm -hmm, dysfunction. Also, if you're having a bowel movement and you feel like you wipe and you wipe and you can't get clean, that's a form of fe mm. fecal incontinence. So you would okay. want to go see a therapist for that. Huh. Um, that is wonderful if, information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then if you have any low back or hip pain that just behaves weirdly, like a lot of times people report really deep feeling hip pain and nothing seems to make it better. A lot of times it's because it's coming from the pelvic floor. Yes. Mm. Huh. Okay. This is fantastic. Um, Callie, question for you, just going back to like struggling with climaxing and orgasm, because obviously this is something we talk to women a tremendous mm. amount about on our ministry page. Um, what are the common symptoms that like add to that? Like why would your pelvic floor inhibit that? Can you maybe unwrap that for us a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially the pelvic floor is what is responsible for the orgasm. There's several muscles. There's two specific in um, one of the layers that are responsible for maintaining clitoral erection during the arousal response. And then there's muscles deeper in the pelvic floor that actually start that rhythmic contraction. So that yes. contraction you're feeling during orgasm is the pelvic floor muscles. Mm -hmm. Now, ah. if they are too weak, you can have a diminished orgasm or a weaker, not a strong orgasm. And if they're too tight, so the way that kind of the arousal response works is you should kind of start at a rested position of those muscles in a healthy pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. And as you go through the phases of the arousal response, those muscles start to tighten, tension builds, and then in the climax phase, the a muscle called the pubococcygeus starts that rhythmic contraction, which then sets off the rest of the orgasm. And it's a rhythmic contraction of those pelvic floor muscles. Mm -hmm. So if you have that overactivity and the muscles are already kind of in a contracted yeah. or shortened position, it's going to inhibit sure. or severely decrease, make it more difficult for you to actually reach that climax. And wow. sometimes it can even be painful or you can be sore after because it's just so much tension and pressure yeah. and strain through those muscles. Oh, that's fantastic. Huh. Thank you for breaking this down. Wow. I think this is going to open the eyes of a lot of uh, women because, I mean, it's not normalized that we should be really tending to our pelvic floor, right? I think so many people just automatically assume it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I I had a prolapse, better go. Or I had a really traumatic birth, there's definitely been damage, better go. But what about all of these other things? Like even 
you just explaining orgasm and how your pelvic floor so vastly influences that. Who talks about that? Nobody. Like, this is amazing. Thank you for unpacking that. That was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So thinking back to what you were saying about how you guys love hump day, which I love. (laughs) That was great. Um, But are there any, you know, different sex positions that are easier or harder on your pelvic floor? Mm -hmm. Like, do different Mm -hmm. positions play a role? As far as easier or harder, that kind of depends. When somebody does have an overactivity, say they have pain with intercourse, typically what I see or what I hear clinically is positions like, like doggy style, essentially, that allow for that pretty deep penetration mm-hmm. are gonna be more painful especially right. if it's those deeper muscles that are overactive mm-hmm. um and so that's that's another common thing i hear people will tell me they have positional pain with intercourse which means it just depends on the position yeah. and wow. a lot of people don't realize that that's not normal either you should be able to have sex in really any position without unwanted pain right but other than that i just no, I mean, your pelvic floor is pretty much made to have sex, so. Yeah. Yeah. Praise That's God. a really good point. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's awesome. I'm kidding. Praise so the good. Lord. So good. Okay, so another question for you, Callie. What about for the women who have had cesarean births? Should they still be seeing a PT? Ah. Yes, okay. because... <laughs> The way the pelvic floor works is it's kind of, I wish I had a model with me. <laughs> it's <laughs> the support system. It's at the base of your pelvis. Mm-hmm. It supports all your internal organs, but it also supports baby while baby grows. And so if you can imagine, it goes from, I don't know how much the uterus weighs, not very much to then all of a sudden you've got a seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10 pound baby in there. So right. that's prolonged stress on those muscles. For sure. um, hormones actually play a huge role mm. in the function of the pelvic mm. floor as well. And mm. after giving birth, there's a very rapid re- withdrawal of a hormone yes. called progesterone. And that can actually cause those muscles to tighten up, even if you didn't mm. actually push a baby through there. Mm. Not huh. to mention you've got all kind of scar tissue when you cut through that yes. and so you yeah. can learn to manage that and hopefully decrease the effects of that and any long-term issues in the future you can avoid that right love that that's fantastic wow. that is so good so i am a i had five c-sections correct yes i just had my fifth so thank god i'm i'm done now we're <laughs> we're out of the baby making game so i don't have to do that but i know i personally i had a ton of scar tissue this last time and Ooh. i had a really difficult time with my recovery i had a very difficult time towards the end of my pregnancy and i never would have thought that scar tissue would play a, such a significant role in how I felt healing wise postpartum. Mm-hmm. But my doctor also mentioned that with that, because he said that I might have had maybe cusping on the edge of a grade one prolapse whenever I had my postpartum checkup. And he said, but you are still nursing too. And so while you're nursing, you can still keep some of those hormones in your system, like relaxing, mm-hmm. and it will prevent that prolapse from fully healing. And so is that true? I mean, how long, how long would you say does it take for the body to recover from that 
once maybe you've stopped nursing or after that relaxant is working its way out of your system, is there kind of like a general guideline that people can expect for their healing? Everyone is going to be different. I will say, and you guys are in Canada, right? Paris and I are. So, Rusty's not. <laughs> okay. I don't, I'm in Missouri. <laughs> in, in, in America, the typical like time after birth that we say you're healed is six weeks. And then doctors usually give you the green light for everything. And in reality, a more realistic healing time is six to eight months. Yes. And Thank so you for saying that. that's something to keep in mind, too. <laughs> um, and another thing to consider, when you go see a pelvic floor therapist or after you've had a baby, it's not just the pelvic floor that needs to be looked at. It's, I mean, it's the deep core. It's the abdominals. It's your hips. Because if you yeah. think about the way everything changes during birth and how all those things work together, mm-hmm. like I said, it just really depends depends and you mentioned the grade one prolapse so typically that is not really going to be a symptomatic prolapse that's not something patients typically feel like that pressure or any kind of problems with um you Mm want to be mindful of it and do practice um good breathing with lifting good body mechanics things like that to prevent it from getting worse Um, but as long as your core, your pelvic floor are all functioning properly, a grade one prolapse is not something I would be concerned about. Now, where does the scale go from there? It goes from a one to a, to a a four, I believe. Oh, wow. Okay. So So at what point do you start noticing there's some stuff going on wrong here? (laughs) So it's around three where that prolapse actually starts coming you can start it actually starts coming out of that vaginal opening that's when it probably is you're going to want to see your doctor and maybe figure out what the best management would be sometimes pessaries are involved which is just kind of an external support device some doctors recommend surgery i would always recommend trying conservative methods before trying surgery just because why get cut open if you don't have to? No kidding. And pelvic floor therapy can help with prolapse management. Totally. Especially along with some of those other super other techniques. Yeah. So something you've touched on a little bit, um, Callie, you've mentioned it a couple of times, is breathing. So what role does mm-hmm. breathing play in as a pelvic floor, like PT? Yeah, it actually plays a huge role. Um, so when we... When we breathe, there's something called diaphragm breathing, um, which I use a ton for my patients who have that overactivity I mentioned. You can actually take a deep breath in, expand your diaphragm, which will increase that intra-abdominal pressure and lengthen those pelvic floor muscles passively. And so it's almost like an internal stretch, internal massage you can use to kind of find a more rested, relaxed position when that's something you struggle with. Hmm. Um, in addition to that, when you lift or when you, you know, roll over or you, and you hold your breath, you can create something called a Valsalva, which is, it's increasing all the pressure, putting undue, unnecessary stress on your pelvic floor, your internal organs, things like that. And that can actually be harmful, especially if you're, um, trying to manage an abdominal separation or a Mm -hmm. diastasis recti. Right. Um, breathing properly, especially through lifting motions, can help prevent that from getting worse while you're trying to close that and heal it. Huh. So interesting. (laughs) 
would have no idea. That's very that cool. That's amazing. Okay, uh, can I ask you a question on that then? So, Callie, for so I weightlift. So, for all of the women out there that are weightlifters, I kind of want to speak to the diastasis recti that you mentioned. So, is the weight we're breathing through our exercises potentially as we're weightlifting damaging our pelvic floor? I don't know that damaging is the right word. It's mm-hmm. putting you at risk mm-hmm. for damage or injury or dysfun- dysfunction is probably a better way to say that yeah, um, totally. than actual damage. Mm-hmm. I try to stray away from the word damage because a lot of times people come in and that's how they, they say they feel damaged, right. they feel they broken. Feel like You're not. Your pelvic floor is just dysfunctional. For sure. Love right. I said that. Right. And so, and so you're putting yourself at risk for dysfunction um, because you are adding that increased pressure if you're holding your breath, if you're not breathing through the exercises, if you're bearing down, um, you're putting yourself at risk for things that we've mentioned. Okay. Okay. That is is cool to know. I feel like this is something we could talk about a whole other episode on. Yeah, athletes are actually a pretty big – population with pelvic floor dysfunction which totally makes sense now that you're unpacking what you did I'm just like all the all the lights are going off in my head I'm like oh my gosh I have so many more questions that I could ask you on that that it's just (laughs) good to know like for now thank you for saying that because um I mean I think so many of us are just unaware of that you know yes and that's the biggest I think battle is just the lack of education because there's not a class Mm -hmm. on this in school. I mean, nobody, Mm -hmm. this information isn't out there, which is kind of what prompted us to start our podcast. Absolutely. We're like, we want people to know these things. Yeah. Because so often people think of pelvic floor physical therapists and they think of Kegels. Yes. Right. Right. Like people often just think, okay, well, they'll just tell me to do Kegels so I can do that at home and that's fine. I don't have to see anybody. So is that true or no? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> that, that way of thinking is probably the reason I have a job because wow, that overactivity that I mentioned or those mm. muscles being too tight, mm. those muscles not resting when they should is the most common thing I see mm-hmm. and Kegels make that worse. Absolutely. So okay. the best analogy I have is if you were trying to do a biceps curl mm-hmm. and you couldn't relax your arm all the way down, you were just relaxing it about halfway, you're always keeping it flexed, you're never fully resting. And then you're just going back and forth with that tight muscle. It's never relaxing. It's going to make that muscle sore. It's going to make it more painful and it's not going to strengthen it at all. And it's just going to lead to kind of perpetuating that cycle of a tight, shortened muscle. So if you have an overactivity, doing Kegels actually can make you worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Wow. What a super good analogy to share for everybody. Yeah. So other than the breathing, what would you, like, are there any, if people have, through what you've said, like, you know, from from my standpoint, like I said, I am in a place where there are no pelvic floor PTs within, you know, less than a two-hour range from me. So if there is something that, you know, we've discussed with our doctor, he's like, yes, this is an issue, and, but all you can find information-wise is do Kegels. If you have, you know, perhaps that overactive pelvic floor, are there any simple at-home things that you could, exercises that you could discuss 
or share with the people who are listening? So it's really under or really important to understand the way the pelvic floor should function normally. So the way it should function normally is when you sit down, when you lay down, and when you go to the bathroom, those muscles should rest. A very important concept of the pelvic floor is it does not push anything out. It does not push out urine. It does not push out stool. It doesn't even push out the baby when you're giving birth. It contracts to keep things in. It relaxes to let things out of the body. And so it's like any other muscle. When you're not using it, you want to relax it, to let it rest so it doesn't become fatigued. And so practicing just being mindful when you sit down, when you lay down, when you're going to the restroom, let those muscles kind of between those two bones you're sitting on, your two sit bones, let them drop, let them relax, let them melt. I tell people, let the chair hold you up (laughs) instead of trying to, you know, sometimes we're just... It's almost like when you hold tension in your shoulders and then you let it out, let that out in your pelvic floor. Um, Don't strain on the toilet. Don't strain to push out a bowel movement. Don't strain. A lot of people tell me, oh, I just push to get that little bit extra urine out. Well, there's always a small residual amount of urine left in the bladder. That's normal. That's Mm -hmm. fine. There's no need to strain with any of that. So avoiding those things. Um, being mindful of resting those muscles is going to help a lot. Another one I really love, I mentioned the diaphragm breathing. I love child's pose and happy baby. Those are both yoga positions, but those are amazing for just bringing awareness into that pelvic floor. Um, combining those with the deep breathing techniques can really, really help bring awareness, help you find, okay, where's that tension? How do I let it go? Breathe through it? Things like that. It's super, super, super good information. Yeah, really, really helpful. Because I feel like that's what lots of people were wondering. It's like, well, what? how do I know? Like, what can I do just to, you know, cover my bases just in case, right? So that's super, yeah, that's really helpful. And if you are someone who has no dysfunction and you're like, you do Kegels regularly, you have no incontinence, anything like that, it's really important. Again, I'm going to go back to the biceps curl. If you're doing one, you want to relax all the way at the bottom to go through that full range of motion. So if you are doing Kegels, make sure you're fully rested before you contract back up because that's how you go through the range of motion, the full range of motion. That's how you're going to get the most benefits from the strengthening. And so, again, it's all about that whole yeah. idea of proper function. Yeah. Wow. I feel like this would be really helpful for, for our followers. Cause I feel like you, you don't realize that there's such a connection between what's going on with your pelvic health and even like your sex life. It seems like, you know, that's so correlated to like babies or, um, you know, things like that, that it doesn't seem like there would be any correlation where that's totally false. So, wow. That's just like really eye opening. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So in your guys' podcast, do you guys talk on this stuff more? Like, can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, we talk about everything. I think we have, <laughs> we talk about, we've talked about, I think, proper pooping. There's, cause there's a right and a wrong way to poop. We've talked about urinary dysfunction. Uh, we have a whole episode where we talk about normal. We probably, we got a really big response from that because people imagine. were just shocked at things they didn't know yeah. were abnormal. Right. <laughs> um, and so we talk about what normal is, what dysfunction looks like, um, 
treatment options, what it looks like when you go visit a pelvic floor physical therapist, what it shouldn't look like when you visit Mm, a therapist, because unfortunately there are people out there that claim to do pelvic floor physical therapy that were never trained and have no business doing it. And so we talk about just some red flags to watch out for all, all kinds of stuff. Awesome. Okay. So what's the name of your podcast again, just so we can make sure people find it. It is called Pelvic Service Announcement. Awesome. I love that. And where can they listen on? Are you guys on Spotify, Apple? What are you, are you guys on all of everything? Yeah, we're on Spotify, <laughs> Apple, and I think Google Podcast as well. Perfect. Sweet. I know I'm going to go find you. I'm. <laughs> there's so many things I want to hear. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we'll make sure we link that in the show notes so that um, you guys listening can can find the um, the podcast, from Kelly's podcast, because I think that's mm-hmm. going to be fantastic and so yes. we're just so thankful that you were able to come and chat with us today yes. we just yes. it was such a joy having you here yes. <laughs> great to visit yes, with you thank we'll... you guys yeah this was much. awesome i so appreciate this opportunity yeah. we'd love to have you again one day <laughs> that would be great oh yeah, yeah i mean this is such a need Hi. absolutely okay perfect we'll hook it up yes yes absolutely and nice to have someone that we no loves Jesus, right? And who can share yes, about something from amazing. like a very medical perspective, but also be like, but I still love Jesus, right? Yeah. Like it's so often you, you hear people and you hear stories and whatever, which is all right. And the information is good, but something different about it when you just know their heart behind it is, yeah. is for mm-hmm. you and for the yeah. Lord. Yeah. Well, and that's what getting into the whole public floor physical therapy world just was so eye-opening to me. God created us to enjoy sex, males and females. I mean, the female human body is designed to find pleasure and intimacy and marital intimacy. And so I just think that is such a huge concept that wasn't always emphasized like it should should be throughout Christian culture and the narrative's kind of changing a little bit. You guys are a huge part of that. That's why I love what you do trying to get out there and be like, it is okay to like sex as a female. It is okay to enjoy having sex with your husband. In fact, God wants you to enjoy having sex with your husband. So I think that is just awesome. Thank you so much. I love it so much. I mean, the level of expertise you bring, like bringing Jesus and then what you do as a career to the table, it it really does make Mm -hmm. a difference. Honestly, Callie, like when, when we discovered you and we're like, woo, we need this. This is another amazing person we can feature on our podcast because, yeah. I mean, we're just enhancing the sisterhood of this ministry. And so we're just so so grateful that you came and, and shared all of your wisdom with us well, today. Really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. I think Thank you're doing you. amazing things. Thank you so much. Hey friends, thank you so much for hanging with us today as we dive deeper into meaningful, godly intimacy, tackle the hard questions and embrace truth while we're at it. We're also on Instagram. You can find our handle in the show notes alongside any resource links we mentioned in the show. As always, our hearts are to cultivate deep community and freedom with you guys. We are so honored to walk this journey alongside you. We'll see you in the next episode.